It is a beautiful thing to come to the full realization that God still loved us, even though that we're flawed. But he doesn't leave us as flawed individuals, but he transforms us in the image and likeness of his son. That's an ongoing, humbling journey, but it's a journey that God has given all of us to go on. And it's beautiful to know that in Scripture is recorded many people with flaws. And so just as we sung that song, that our, our hope is in him, Yeshua, our Messiah. He was the only one to come here and live a perfect life. Then and now a perfect life he lives before the Father so that we can be introduced to the Father through the Son by the power, power and the renewing of our minds by the Word of God and by the Spirit of the living God who leads us into all truth. We are the most blessed people on the face of this earth to have his word and not just to have the word that just brings us to the truth, gives us understanding and discernment, but to have the spirit, the great comforter that Yeshua said to his Talmudim, to his disciples, I do not leave you alone, but I will send you the comforter. And he won't simply just comfort you, but he'll bring you to all truth so that we can lay down our lives and rise up new. As in Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, offer your body as a holy and living sacrifice. This is a true act of worship. And it's not just when we assemble together on Shabbat, but it's an act of worship every day. We can worship the Lord God our King by offering our bodies as a holy and living sacrifice unto him. Because he doesn't allow us to be a sacrifice that just lays upon the altar, has died and poured out before him, but he gives us life and causes us to rise, to grow, go from glory to glory, so that one day when we see him, we will be like him. Our characters will be fully transformed. And what a true blessing that is. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So, Father, we thank you for your provision you've given us to walk therein upon this earth. We thank you for your transforming power. And, Father, we pray that you, you, we would continue to humble ourselves before you as you, you transform us into the character of your Son. And even when you're transforming us into the character of your Son, you still do not destroy our identity in you that is precious in your sight we give you glory and honor and praise in Yeshua's name amen blessed be the name of the Lord Acts chapter 12 as we're going through the Bible study of Messianic Jews chapter 13 I have to pause it a couple seconds before I say the the, the other chapter, because we're, we started uh, Messianic Jews chapter um, 13, so it's so, so quick for me to say that chapter out when we're actually in action for the message today. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is part two of Acts of Yeshua's emissaries, the Shalachim, which are the apostles, not only the apostles, but also the prophets, the deacons and ordinary folks who allowed themselves to be filled with the Ruach HaKodesh, hear the Father's call, 
and walk by the power of the Spirit of living God to accomplish and build his kingdom upon this earth. Nothing has changed. God still pours out his Spirit upon all his people that we may go forth and build his kingdom, walking in the unity that we have with one another in Messiah Yeshua. So Acts chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. And it was around this time that King Herod began arresting and persecuting certain members of the Messianic community. And he had Yaakov, Yohanan's brother. Some translations, that word is Jacob, John's brother. And he put him to death by the sword. When Herod saw how this pleased the Judeans, he went on to arrest Kepha, Peter as well. It was during the days of Matzah. So when Herod seized him, he threw him in prison and handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each with the intention of bringing him to public trial after Pesach, after Passover. So Kepha was being held under watch in prison. But intense prayer was being made to God on his behalf by the Messianic community. The night before Herod was going to bring him to trial, Kepha was sleeping between two soldiers. Just think about that. What was Kepha doing on the Mount of Olives when Yeshua was about to be arrested? He was also sleeping, was he not? Did not Yeshua ask his Talmudim, will you not, can you not tarry with me? Can you not wait and spend time in the presence of the Father in prayer? So here we find him sleeping yet again. But as if we were to continue with that story on, uh, on um, that mountain there, the Winepress Mountain of Gethsemane, that we would see that when they came to arrest Yeshua, what did, what did Kepha do? He drew his sword and he went to go and attack the high priest's servant and he missed, or maybe he didn't miss, but actually he cut off part of his ear. But here we see Kepha being arrested. He's not drawing any sword and he simply goes with those who arrest him. Here's a changed man, a man of changed heart. And we know this, that he knew of Yaakov, Jacob, a fellow uh, disciple, Talmudim, who had been recently arrested and his, he was put to death by a sword. So we notice that there's peace in his heart. Because how can you fall asleep in between two soldiers that you're chained to if you do not have peace in your heart? He's not wringing his hands here. He's not saying, God, why have you forsaken me? He's not doing any of this. He's just simply sleeping. Continuing, Kepha was sleeping between two soldiers. He was bound with two chains and guards at the door were keeping watch over the prison. Suddenly an angel of Adonai stood there. Notice there's no trumpet blast here. There's no great light. There's just an angel standing. Suddenly an angel of the Lord stood there, and a light shone now in the cell. And he tapped Kepha's side and woke him. Hurry and get up, he said. 
the chains fell off his hands, and the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals. And he did. Throw on your robe, he said, and follow me. Notice he's not arguing with them. Going out, Kepha followed him, but did not realize that what was happening him through the angel, though the angel was real. Have you ever been doing something as the Lord's instructed you to do and you're kind of in shock? Yeah. You're just simply walking out of obedience. Your left foot moves in your right and then suddenly you're doing this, you're doing that. But you don't have the full comprehension of what you're doing. You don't have time to argue with the Lord and say, wait a second. Continuing. Though the angel was real, he thought he was seeing a vision. Having passed a first guard and then a second, they arrived at the iron gate leading to the city. This opened to them by itself. They made their exit. They went down the length of one street and suddenly the angel left him. Then Kepha came to himself. Finally, the shock and awe is passed. And he said, now I know for sure that the Lord has sent his angel to rescue me from Herod's power and from everything the Judean people were hoping for. Realizing what had happened, he went to the house of Miriam, the mother of Yohanan, surname Mark. So here we're introduced to a new individual here. Another Yohanan, another John, another Jonathan. But he's also surname Mark. Where many people had gathered to pray, he knocked at the outside of the door, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer. She recognized Kepha's voice and was so happy that she ran back in without opening the door and announced that Kepha was standing outside. Now, just think about this. Here's the reaction of the men and women of God who have been intensely praying and interceding on behalf of an individual. People weren't simply bringing up various prayer requests. There was one focus for this prayer meeting within this home. Here's their reaction. You are out of your mind. <laughs> have any of us ever had that thought cross our mind when someone shares with us a miraculous work that God has been doing in their life? Are you out of your mind? <laughs> we can all identify with these people, can we not? I sure can. They said to her, but she insisted it was true. So they said, it's his angel. But weren't they praying for his relief? <laughs> Not his angel to appear. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kepha kept knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. They were amazed that their prayers were answered. That God actually did and moved on their behalf. Can we not identify with these people? Now, this is a messianic community. These are the men and women of God that God, that the angels in heaven are standing there and saying, are you sure? Are you sure? These are the people that you want to build the kingdom? This is you and I, folks. And you may hear laughter that's going on today. We have to laugh at ourselves because sometimes we think we're so spiritual. We've arrived, but guess what? We haven't. 
were being transformed. Now motioning to them with his hand, be quiet. Why? Because you know what? They're getting really loud. All of a sudden, lamps are being lit because these homes are in prox a close proximity towards one another. And what has Herod done? He has arrested Kepha. And of course, if, if there's a big commotion going on, what's going to happen? The authority is going to show up at the door. And they're going to notice Kepha is not at, at, at the prison anymore. So let us continue. Motion to them with his hand, be quiet. He told them how the Lord brought him out of prison and said, Tell this to Yaakov, Jacob, and the brothers. Then he left and went, went elsewhere. So here's another Yaakov. This is a Yaakov who's actually the head over the Jerusalem Messianic community there, which is Yeshua's eldest younger brother. And this proves that, that Miriam and Yosef had relations after Yeshua was born. In the Gospels, it records his other brother's names. It mentions his sisters, but it doesn't give them or mention them by name. Going on, then Kepha left and he went elsewhere. When daylight came, there was no small commotion among the soldiers over what had become of Kepha. Can we understand this? Because their lives were going to be required of them if they did not find him in the proper time. Verse 19, Herod had a thorough search made for him, but they failed to find him. So he cross-examined the guards and ordered them to be put to death. Then Herod went down from Yehuda, Judah, to Caesarea and spent some time there. Now Herod was very angry with the people of Zeor and Zidon. So they joined together and sought an audience with him. After securing the support of Blastus, the king's chief and personal servant, they asked for peace because they, they depended on the king's lands for their food supply. A day was set and Herod in his royal Rome sat on the throne and made a speech to them. The mob cried out, this is a voice of a god, small g, not a man. And at once, because Herod did not give glory to God, an angel of Adonai struck him down. He was eaten by worms and died. But the word of the Lord went out, growing and being multiplied. Barnaba, Barnabas and Shaul, Paul, having completed their errand, returned from Jerusalem, Jerusalem, bringing with them Yohanan, John, surnamed Mark. Now, as we dig a little bit deeper here, we will see some very, very interesting things. Let's focus on verse number five. So Kepha was being held under prison, but intense prayer was being made to God on behalf of the Messianic community. Here's a five-point teaching on prayer. Notice, it was intense. It wasn't casual. Secondly, it was ongoing. It was being made. It was continuing. They were praying without ceasing. Why? Because they wanted Kepha's freedom. Third, who, who were they praying to? They were praying to God. In genuine contact with the living God, 
And they were all praying in Yeshua's name. And it was not with empty repetition. And it was not in unbelief. But it's amazing. When he actually showed up, they thought that the girl that gave him the report, that she was out of her mind, and that it was an angel. But we see what God produced in them. In Yaakov, Jacob, chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. You do not receive because you do not ask. And it was in communal. This was what brought the Messianic community together. There was a need. And it was not their own personal need. But here was a leader that was in danger of his own life. The believer is not called to an isolated life. Even his private prayers should not be self-centered, but should be reflective of his membership in the body of Messiah as a whole. Now let us quickly move down to verse 12. And realizing what had happened, Kepha went into the house of Miriam. See, this was a place that he knew was a safe house where he could find other believers who had a practice of interceding, prayer, and worship. Notice they weren't meeting in the local synagogue. Why? Because possibly if while they were having that prayer meeting there, and if Kepha showed up, someone could have came by or was in the synagogue and would immediately went and reported to Herod what had taken place. So they, had, they were under persecution. They had to meet in house fellowships. You'll see that even today, there are many congregations around the world that don't own their own building, don't own their own land, but they're simply meeting by riversides, by waterways, by lakes, some in cave situations, some in housing situations. Because the body of Messiah is still being persecuted today. Could that change in America? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if it does come to America, doesn't mean that those that are living in America of the Messianic community are, are lacking in faith. The Lord allows persecution so that we may be refined. Rav Shaul said, of all these things... He pursues to know his Messiah in his sufferings. That's where we grow and we develop as believers. So the house of Miriam, these believers met in each other's homes for prayer and worship and fellowship. This arising from their common trust that they placed in Yeshua. Because they didn't know from day to day that the person that they walked up in their neighborhood that they began to share Yeshua with, that one day would turn them over to Herod and his henchmen for them to be arrested. New Testament prayer is based in groups and in people's homes. Home Bible studies, house congregations are still reflected even today. Within even Judaism, Havura, spelled C-H-V-U-R-A, Friendship groups, movements. This, this fosters awareness of one another, a community. As one part of the body suffers, 
so does all. And so as we gather together as a community of Messianic believers, and when there's needs, we pray, we intercede for one another. We build one another up. We produce hope in one another, not in the group of itself, but in our Messiah, Yeshua. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So Yohanan, surname Mark, according to Colossians 4.10, he was a cousin of Barnaba, Barnabas. You know, in Scripture it says, if you shall be saved, so shall your whole household. How about your nieces, nephews, your extended family members? Are you praying and interceding for them also? That they would come to know Messiah? Continuing here. Now, quickly, we go to the point here, this last portion here. And that is where Herod, his demise. Acts chapter 12, verse 19. Herod had a thorough search made for him, Kepha, but they failed to find him. So he cross-examined the guards and ordered them to be put to death. The Herod then went down from Yehuda, Judah, up to Caesarea to spend some time there. Now, Herod was very angry with the people of Zion, excuse me, Zeor and Zidon. So they joined together and sought an audience with him. After securing the support of Blastus, the king's chief and personal servant, they asked for peace. See, they were wise. They didn't want to continue quarreling with the king. Why? Because they depended on the king's land for them to get their food supply. And so a day was set, and Herod in his royal robes sat on the throne and made a speech to them. The mob cried out, This is a voice of God, small g, and not a man. And at once, because Herod did not give glory to God, an angel of Adonai struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. Do you know that there's another recorded historical document that speaks about Herod's death? This is from Josephus. And so I will share that now with you. The description here in verses 22 and 23, this is not Josephus I'm quoting, here of Herod Agrippa's death is consistent, though not identical with that of Josephus. And here now is Josephus. Agrippa came to Caesarea, where there was a festival for him. And on the second day, he put on a garment made entirely of silver. And he came into the theater early in the morning, at which time the silver of his garment reflecting the sun's rays so shone so beautifully as to spread a horror on those gazing at him. So quickly his flatterers exclaimed that he is a God small g, adding, be merciful to us, for although to now we have reverenced you only as a man, from this time forward we will regard you as superior to mortal nature. In other words, you are a God. But the king neither rebuked them nor rejected 
their impious flattery. However, as he looked up, he saw an owl. He immediately understood that this bird was a messenger of ill tidings. Now remember, this is a scripture. This is a historical account from Josephus. All right? Suddenly, a, a violent and severe pain arose in his stomach. Therefore, he looked at his friends and he said these words, I, whom you call a god, small g, and commanded now to leave this life. While providence thus reproves the lying words you just now said to me, after five days, it is recorded, exhausted from stomach pain, he died at the age of 53. This is adapted from Antiquities of the Jews, 19.8 through 2. And so history bears out this account. See, in God's word, it says that the angel came down and the angel touched him and immediately the worms consumed him. But think of this going on for a period of days. What an agonizing death. And during that time, just as King Manasseh relented and repented, it's not recorded where Herod Agrippa ever repented. God always desires for those that he's dealing with to come to true repentance and to acknowledge God for who he is. But from Herod Agrippa's lips, this never came forward. So ending now on a very, very bright note, and that is this, verse 24 of Acts 12. But the word of the Lord went on growing and being multiplied. See, even in the midst of persecution, God's word went forth because the body of Messiah was being tried, going through refining fires. And it goes on to say in verse uh, 25, Barnabas, who is Barnabas and Shaul, having completed their errand. What was their errand prior? They were to go because they knew about a coming famine that was going to be hitting Jerusalem and that area. And so what they did was they went among the, the outskirts of Judea and they raised up funds to be given to the congregation that was suffering under intense persecution in Jerusalem. Because a prophet of God spoke up and said, a famine's going to hit the land. And so they completed this errand and they returned from Jerusalem, now bringing with them Yohanan's surname Mark. That's his Greek name. Because many Jews that were living at that time, if they lived in foreign countries, they would assume a name of that country. So we see this. Another growth report. Early Jewish evangelism was successful. A genuine people movement arose in which hundreds of thousands of Jews came to faith in Yeshua, the, G the Jewish Messiah. This is a picture of the Messianic community empowered by the Ruach HaKodesh, the spirit of the living God, walking in obedience to God and remains the model, not only them, but for all time until Yeshua ushers up his bride in his presence. Praise be unto God. Shabbat shalom.